Oh my goodness, Jim, we're still talking about lower decks. Where's your huge hat, man? Uh, <laughs> I can't wear it every night. And plus, now that it's getting warmer, uh, like it was hot today in Virginia, and uh, I just didn't want to wear that big giant foam hat. Okay, right? I'll give you a pass. So far, we're still trying to not turn on the air conditioning just yet because we're not ready to to go into the summer, right? And uh, so it was hot today. We have we got the fans running, and it's just like, oh, uh, I don't want to wear a big foam hat tonight. I mean, you guys have seen it. I, I'll probably put it on, you know, for a future episode or something but for well, now, it, quite, go with the, I'm, it got I'm, I'm quite paying, the social media buzz yeah i'm paying love to the pioneer tonight because uh, i know aaron couldn't join us tonight because he's got other stuff going on all um, right we so, appreciate that show some love to your show man all right well we appreciate that of course pioneer is one of the greatest star trek adventures ships of the line if anybody wants to hear more about it then go to continuing missions type in pioneer and all our episodes are there we're in our fifth season but we are not here to talk about pioneer tonight we are here to talk about Lower Decks as we continue on our mission of uh, 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 breaking down what is probably going to be one of the hottest books of the year. Had a lot of demand for it um, all over social media. People were saying when it's coming out. And as you all know, it's out. And so uh, let's jump into it. I'm Michael Dismuke. I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG and a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, let's introduce the king of Packlets, Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody, Jim Johnson, uh, project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG published by Modipius Entertainment. Load these many years, co-host on this year's show with uh, Michael Dismuke, and uh, excited to be here tonight to talk more about Lower Decks. Uh, Michael, you said the book is already out. I'm not sure based on the timing. Like, I'd have to go look at the schedule to find out when this episode is actually going to air, but uh, I, I don't this think episode, we're going to wait oh. that long. This so, episode uh, is airing on May 26th, so you're probably right. You're yeah, right, so yeah. Not quite yet. All <laughs> pretty right. soon, though. Pretty darn soon, but not not quite yet. And when I say you know, pretty soon, I mean the pre-orders the first week of June, and then the book itself will be out at Gen Con. So, um, you know, oh. the book itself, not quite there yet. Although, where the, where the heck is it? Um, I, I did get... Yeah, the, rub uh, it in. Rub it in. Go ahead. Well, actually, you know, I'll, wait, I'll wait on that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's finish this bit and then uh, introduce our guest. Uh, and you know him, you love him. Al, introduce yourself. How's it going? Uh, Al Spader, freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures. Um, wrote a bunch of little stuff all over this book. Uh, it was a blast to do, and I'm excited to dig a little deeper into some of uh, the stuff in here. Fantastic. Also, also, Al Spader, co-author of the uh, uh, world-building 2D20 RPG Sentience, which is absolutely fantastic. If you haven't checked it out yet, go check it out. There's a quick start and a core book available. It will be well worth your time, especially if you are into 2D20 and sentient robots and uh, great science fiction, uh, moral dilemmas, moral questions, life, humanity, quasi-humanity, all that stuff. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, I pick my robot name when I get to play in the game, Al. I, I've already figured out who I want to play. So I'm ready to go. I, I've called them gadgets galore. I just think I that's like it, it right? Okay, okay. so like save it. that save that for me because I want to come play in your game. <laughs> all right, cool. Well, all right, so uh, let's get into it. We are in chapter three. Um, living the life is the title of chapter three. Um, I, I do have to say that I did write a lot of it, um, but we did have Al also write um, a lot of it. There are mission briefs, which we're not going to cover because we hate spoilers. So there's a big 
bad box of 10 mission briefs in here uh, to really help help uh, people in chapter in chapter three. Uh, Jim, anything you want to say before we launch into talking about it? Yeah, not to not to contradict you, but the the, the mission briefs are not on, are not in chapter three. Uh, they are in a later chapter. So. Aha, I was doing to see if you were paying attention and you caught me. So go, very good. I want to make sure he's doing his job as project manager. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, so yeah, the, the, the mission briefs come later in the game mastering chapter. That's like chapter six or seven. Uh, all right, but, all right. But tonight, Lower Decks, uh, chapter three, Living the Life, uh, or Lower Decks, the first subchapter called Living the Life. And uh, yeah, to set this up a little bit, uh, the the um, the remit for this chapter was to talk about the lower decks, not so much the TV show and those characters, but like the lower decks experience on a on a Starfleet ship or, or other polities ships. Like, what is the life like for a junior officer serving in Starfleet? We see a taste of this, actually, a pretty good taste of it in um, the Next Generation in the episode titled, fittingly enough, Lower Decks, and uh, where we get to see some we get to see the focus on the junior officers and how they um how they perceive the senior officers like i i remember there's a scene of them in 10 ford and they're they're watching riker and other people like doing stuff and like oh it's riker and it's like, oh he's the commander and blah, blah, blah. and so you get that sense of there's lower deck stuff going on uh and then of course the series the lower deck series is all about lower decks and that whole experience and so this chapter is really squarely focused on uh the expectation that the players are coming to the game playing a junior officer you're an ensign you're lieutenant jg you don't have a huge amount of responsibility yet because you are early in your presumably early in your career and you are growing, you are learning. Here's the things that you need to think about and expect as a role player, because you got to get this stuff in your head so that you can, you know, authentically role play your character as a junior officer, as opposed to the senior staff, which is what we are very much used to watching all the shows and, you know, uh, all the other RPGs that have come before. And even uh, Star Trek Adventures when it first started out, it was all about. You're the captain, you're the senior staff, you're the you know the XL, the engine, chief engineer, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. very different perspective. And so we really wanted to aim this chapter specifically at, at, at those players and those characters just to give you just as many tools and insights as possible. Yeah, but to let people know that even if you're not playing Lower Deckers, I did take an effort to write it in a way that if you are a senior officer, a commanding officer, you know how to mentor the Lower Deckers into, and we're getting, we'll, we can get into some of the details of it, but but I know like Al, you know, we play all the time together and he plays a commanding officer, a senior officer on our starship, but boy, do they partner with cadets and lower ranked uh, uh, people, oftentimes mentoring them into other positions. Um, and so we wanted to incorporate that into the, into this chapter. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that um, uh, w w this is really about a difference uh, in, in rank and role on a ship really. Um, and like, I, I think about the, there was an episode of Voyager where Tuvok is punished and has to bring those Maquis around uh, mm -hmm. or Maquis around um, and train them. And I felt like that was, a different way of looking at a lower decks type of story, right? The juxtaposition of, um, you know, these low ranking people that don't know the ship well and, and, and whatnot. Um, and, and, you know, your commanding officer. 
Exactly. Exactly. So what was really cool about this too, I'll tell you, Jim, some insight, why I really like doing this chapter was in my day job, I work in organizational development. So one of the divisions underneath uh, me is talent development, which is training and career pathing and succession planning. So this was like the, when I saw this chapter and I know, you know, for those of you who don't know, Jim will oftentimes offer up the outline to the group of writers. He says, you know, where are you leaning into? What do you, what do you like? He lets us divvy it up. Um, this was one that I was like, Oh, okay. I got about career pathing. And so, um, I was able to use a lot of those mechanics we use in the human resources, um, in order to lean into this and make it. So it's really realistic. So anybody who's reading this chapter, you're gonna be like, Whoa, this is kind of like, what they do at my work if they have some sort of training program. Um, or if you're in the if you're in the military, I went and did a lot of research with how the Navy does promotions and transfers and reassignments. And that's so all of you who are reading it, if it sounds a little familiar, especially if you're in the Navy, uh, we did lean back on Navy tradition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely uh um I absolutely felt that uh, kind of corporate feel to this in some cases. And like because I, I brought some of it into it too when I was doing some of the revisions. Um, and it's just like, because it's, it, it feels right. Right. It, it feels like Starfleet. Like you, there is a, there are career paths you can take and there are certain skills that you have to develop in order to advance into your career. And it's true now in real time, if you're in a, in a, in a job, you know, whether it's corporate or, or not corporate, you know, white collar, blue collar, whatever. Um, and then in Starfleet, certainly this is stuff that, that more than likely happens, even though they don't necessarily focus on it in the, in the shows, right. It's there. And like, you, you get hints of it. Like when, uh, when Riker and Troy meet to uh, discuss personnel reviews, right? <laughs> you know, it's it's like it's like you know, it only happens like once or twice in the show, but you you know that those characters do that all the time, and they just didn't choose to focus on it during the course of the series over that all that much. But like, if you're the first officer player or you're the counselor player, then that's an easy subplot that you can drop right into your character and use it anytime you need to in a campaign, and say, oh, you know, I've got you know, oh, tonight's episode's a little slow for me. Uh, hey GM, I want to I want a subplot scene. I'm going to be with the counselor in the uh, in the lounge. We're talking uh, crew, uh, you know, crew evaluations. Have some junior officer come up. There's a scene. Boom, you got a scene. You're off and running. GM can drop in some some hints, some subplots, get a, a B side story going on or something. Uh, throw in a mission brief, you know, whatever. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Uh, and, yet, and yet Lower Decks does it every episode now. Every episode, they're talking about promotion. That's basically yeah. what Boiler uh, Boiler Boimler talks about all the time. That's his chief concern. So, so, um, anything else, Al, before we jump into the chapter and talk about some of the highlights? Uh, no, I think that, uh, like really the promotion aspect, like you said, it's a very much a driving force of Boimler specifically. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, we covered that pretty well in here. Okay, cool. Yeah. So the first thing that opens up is of, of course about a career in Starfleet. So what do you have to look forward to in chapter three, if you're picking up this book or no, let's not say if, when you, when you pick up this book, um, first, like we were talking about, it's promotability, really the three things that, that go on an officer's record are education, experience, and special commendation. Social skills is also covered in here too. So we, we know we've seen a lot of brown nosing happen in lower decks. So I wanted to cover um, that there. Um, and then we go ahead and talk about transfers and field promotions. So basically all the ways a junior officer can move up the ranks, which is so important. I thought, you know, as Jim always challenges us to make every paragraph, a whole episode in itself, if you had to, if you had to make a, adventure of it i really wanted to make it so that game masters getting a hold of this or like jim said players getting a hold of this who are senior officers could actually take a paragraph of this and focus on some of the supporting characters that might be on your ship 
Yep. And uh, just rereading re this, um, you're right, Mag, uh, Michael, that a lot of this is applicable to to like mid-career officers as well as junior officers, right? Because if you're a lieutenant, lieutenant commander, you're probably further along on your career path. You still might get transferred. You still might get a field promotion. You know, some of these things still, still might apply to you. So it's not necessarily just focused on lower decks officers. There, there is enough material in here that it could it could apply to other uh, characters as well. Yeah, we talk about career pathing too, and, and some people might wonder what that means. It kind of means like when you get to a job, you know, sometimes they're going to say, "What promotion do you want?" or "Do you want to take any lateral moves into another department?" This is something I know we've done in our game. I'll let Al actually talk about one of his characters who started as a helm officer, but early on in the game, right when he introduced them, he told me, "I want this person to eventually become a captain." Mm. <laughs> yeah. So so. Um... Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, the character was originally a lieutenant, um, and you know we put him through some rigorous uh, interactions, um, and you know now he's the uh, fir first officer on the ship. Um, I, I do like that we created a story arc out of um, the former EXO not liking to give promotions, um, and how uh, and, and realistically speaking a character shouldn't have promotions every other session that you play. Right. And there's a little bit of guidance in here uh, about that and how, um, you know, you might get a field promotion for a scene or two, uh, you know, things like that. Um, but uh, realistically, I mean, this characters, I mean, you look at Worf over the course of his career, you know, um, it, it took many years for him to start advancing, um, you know, and 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 uh, getting promotions and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I think you do a nice job laying that out in here, Michael, of, um, you know, be mindful of this and celebrate it when it does happen. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And it should also be something that's planned. Like one of the things we talk about is you can, as a cadet, which we saw Tendi do jump from the medicine department over to science. And of course we had that one episode where uh, Rutherford, uh, 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 Samantha Rutherford was going and tasting a little bit of it all. Right. So that's the benefits of a lower decks campaign is you have a really good reason to be jumping and putting your fingers into every department, which I think, you know, Jim, Al, what you think about that? Maybe I'm a, a first time player to Star Trek. Maybe I'm not even playing a lower decks game. I might choose a cadet or uh, an ensign just for this reason that I can kind of try out all the different roles and, and decide what I like. I mean, yeah, they really, they re oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jim. No, I was just gonna say, I, I was just agreeing, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, they, they're doing that with Uhura on a uh, strange new worlds. Right. She's been going from station to station and experiencing engineering and, you know, uh, you know, to see if this is the life that she wants. And that's kind of like her arc um, that we're seeing. And I think that that is a really good entry level concept for someone to learn what Star Trek is all about. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think Lower Decks is really kind of nicely set up as a gateway to Star Trek in a lot of ways. And I don't know that we necessarily intended to do that with this book for Star Trek Adventures, but it could certainly be viewed in that way, where if you've got a bunch of uh, folks at your game table, you know, physical or virtual, they maybe watch a couple episodes of Star Trek, they really don't know much about it. They kind of like, you know, I don't know what I want to play. So, 
what do I what do I do? Right. You could you could start them all off as junior officers, you know, put one at con, one in science, one in engineering, one in security and and just let them go. Like, let, we'll just start throwing episodes and uh, adventures at them. And if a couple episodes in, they're like, ah, oh, you know what? I, you know, flight control is kind of boring. I want to switch over to security and and uh, fire some phasers or do some fisticuffs or something. It's like, sure, you know, just swap around and uh, and play with it. And I think um, it would be much easier to do that in a lower decks kind of a campaign experience than it would be to actually like, okay, you're the chief of security. You have a certain kind of level of expectations <laughs> that yeah. you should know what you're doing. I mean, not not that we want that to be a barrier to anybody playing the game. But it's just a different level of game, right? And uh, you know, uh, the lower decks show, of course, is um, a little um, like the characters are a little. What's the right word? It's like they're they're not quite as polished. They're they're a little irreverent. They're a little mm-hmm. profane, which is totally fine. And it's just got that feel that you feel a lot at a game table, like where you're throwing jokes back and forth and you're convincing and you're just having a great time. And I think, um, um, like more than anything else, that's what I would want to be if I if I was stationed on a Starfleet vessel. I'd be having as much fun as I possibly could in addition to doing my duties because holy cow, I'm in space. Exactly. <laughs> I get to do all this cool stuff. I think Aaron mentioned that a few episodes back, um, mm-hmm. but it would just be so cool and fun. And like, why not just be exuberant and enjoy the moment? Yeah. Al, Al had mentioned the career of Worf, but it's interesting. Coincidentally on page 61, I put in the illustrious career of Jordy LaForge to show how we've seen somebody on screen rank up and, and then, and then, of course, I, I did all my research and then Picard comes out season yeah. three. Spoiler alert, everyone. He's now a Commodore. Um, um, so I don't know, Jim, if that's going to even make I know it's probably not going to make the print edit at this point. But yeah. but will it uh, even we, get in there if we ever do? a, I don't know. If, like, like we already know that Lower Decks will be around for at least five seasons. Right. Because season four comes out this year. They've already been greenlit, greenlit for season five. Uh I don't know that we would revise this book, but we could very easily do a new, uh, you know, another another follow on book that covers seasons, you know, three, four and five. I, I don't know if we're going to. All right. This. So I'm everyone, um, you heard it here first, everyone get a little black marker and write in at the bottom. You know, the LaForge. Yeah, get a big fat Sharpie and just write it in there about LaForge is now a Commodore and I'll complete that list. That sometimes happens. Picard changed it. <laughs> exactly. We covered our bus because in the first in the introduction to the book, we say, hey, you know, canon might change like we, we can we can only do so much. This is, this whole book is a snapshot in time and it, it could it could be completely, completely rendered irrelevant by season four, season five, you know, whatever. Yeah. But for now, anyway, it's uh, it, it's doing the job. But, yeah, you know, I, I wish, uh, Michael, we had I wish we had had the, the knowledge and the time to, to tweak that very last bullet point on uh, on Jordy's uh, career. But it just didn't work out. So, yeah, you know, is life. <laughs> I do love that uh, on that very same page, the sidebar about promotion as punishment. Yeah, that's uh, that's really fun. And how, uh, you know, some people might think that if I could just, you know, uh, you know, become uh, a lieutenant junior grade, uh, mm-hmm. life would be so much easier, not realizing that there's paperwork involved and there's yeah. more jobs that you have to do and things like that. And I think that happens like in real life too right sometimes mm-hmm. people get promotions and then they're way over their heads yeah um so yeah. i i really in, enjoyed that sidebar being there well yeah, what, it, do they, what do they call that the the peter principle where somebody's promoted beyond their ability to uh to yeah we say we say we say that you're promoted to your highest level of 
ineptitude. <laughs> like at some point you can't be that good. Right. And I'm always afraid when I'm getting promoted at work, it's like, Oh, this is the one that's going to make me look like an idiot. You know, this, this is the one that I don't know how to do. Um, one of the things you could do for, if, if you game masters out there have, um, I don't want to say unruly. That's the only word that I can think of right now. If you have an unruly player who's basically saying, well, you should be doing that and you should be doing that. Write a mission where they're in charge and, and give them some punk ensigns underneath them that sound just like them. Yeah. So, so I know we played a game um, at my tabletop game where we had a captain who did not follow Starfleet orders for several episodes. And so I wrote a specific mission where two people followed his lead on his crew and we're also insubordinate and they're called up before Jag and he's not. And that, that became a really, I made sure it was the pivotal point of that story. So, so this is your chance promotion is punishment um, um, to show people that there's a reason why senior officers act the way they do, you know, on, on behalf of Starfleet. Of course, my favorite, um, well, one of my favorite sidebars in here, Al, has to do about, you know, naked people on page 62. Um, never before Lower Decks had I seen so much nudity, so much, not even just nudity. Yeah, it's not even like National Geographic nudity. It was just blatant, flagrant, throw it out there nudity. It's insane. So I could not ignore that fact. Yeah. And, and I like that you put like some little safety conversation topics about it as well. Right. Um, because this is clearly something that, you know, you should talk about with your table, even if your table is OK with running a lower deck style game, you know, approach them each about the concept of, you know, nudity and ridiculous uh, things like that. Um, especially, if guys, you're especially if you're LARPing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to really enjoy the uh, piece of art on this page, by the way. <laughs> How did you find Jim? Did you find that piece of art? Where did you get that? If, for those of you who are tuning into the podcast, it's Shaq's totally bare butt naked, you know, his butt showing. It's very cute. Yeah. It's very Simpson-esque. Yeah, it's the Shaq's butt that we talked about. Um, I, I think I think there was an episode where uh, where Shaq's and like most of the crew were naked at one point go doing things. And uh, the uh, the graphic designer isolated that bit of shacks and, and dropped it right into the um, into the layout. I mean, looking at, it, I think it's great. Um, you know, the 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 vestiges of the prude in me wonder if we should have put maybe a black box over it, but it's not. It's I a mean, butt. Everybody it's has a, butts. It's not. A big, yeah, uh, it's a cartoon not, butt. The cartoon butt. That's so, amazing um, how the graphic designer isolated that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no I mean, one caught. No one caught that. No one caught that pun. Oh my God. That was so good. Rewind. If, if all of you listening to this missed it, rewind and just try to play that again. <laughs> all right. Um, another thing, this is actually what I wrote here was, I think it was an expansion on something Al you wrote in the player's guide about what to do with downtime. You, I think you wrote some sections about that or was it Utopia Planitia? Utopia Planitia. Yes. Yeah. You wrote some stuff in Utopia Planitia about what to do with downtime, but that was a focus on senior officers. And so um, I, I looked at that and reworked it about what to do with downtime. If you're a junior officer, um, because the, I don't know, do they, are they more bored? I know they don't get as much holodeck time. So I figured they, that they have to get really creative about what to do in common areas. Well, they certainly we know uh, it is established that their replicators aren't nearly as good as the uh, upper deckers. Um, so they get probably get creative with their culinary st styles and things like that. So that's kind of fun. 
Exactly. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in there about hobbies, side projects, stretch, you know, stretch assignments, and really your crew who you live with, they become, become family because you get so close to them. Um, so a lot, again, just for the purpose of this is B story, B plot. Um, so that when you're playing a lower decks campaign, you can't be in the action all the time. And you're like, well, what do my people do on the other side? There's every line in there is something you could be doing, whether it's a hobby or a book you're reading or some sort of interaction with crew hanging out at the bar, the stuff that I would bigger cadets and ensigns do mm-hmm. in that situation. All right. There's a favorite part here. So I want to ask you, Jim, um, I had added this last, I, I remember it was like a late minute ad, uh, ad. it was page 63. And it's a new game mechanic that I think could make some uh, pretty fantastic adventures. And that's programming a holodeck situation. And it came up because we were watching the Badgie episode. So as we were writing this, somehow Badgie, I think, came into the scene. I was like, well, how do you program a holodeck simulation? And you let me add this in, which which I appreciate. Um, What was your take on having a new game mechanic like that? Uh, I mean, I think it's something that we we haven't really touched on holodecks a whole lot in the in the game over seven years. Like uh, I know f- folks have been asking for holodeck, you know, mission briefs and holodeck programs and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, okay, but you don't really need rules for it. Just say you're in the holodeck, you just make it up, and you're up and running. And then complications occur, or you know, start spending some threat and some momentum to make things go wrong or have things glitch or whatever. You don't really need you know a whole different rule set. Um, but, uh, I think what this does is it, it, it gives us just some more tools to throw at, to, to give players something to do and for game masters to challenge them with. And, uh, I think, um, you know, certainly Jordy and Barclay and, um, uh, Paris and I mean, we've got plenty of examples from Canon of people tinkering with the holodeck and coming up with different programs and different ideas and stuff. And this fits right into it. And, uh, like, I think clearly using uh, Rutherford as an example for, creating badgie and then things going horribly wrong is just, I mean, it just fits, fits right in. Right. So uh, no, I think it's good. Hopefully, uh, hopefully gamers will uh, make use of this and, uh, and have fun with it. Yeah. Like if you want to create your own action adventure movie that you are the star of to role play through, um, you know, this is the way to do it. Yeah. The page design is beautiful, but I don't know which graphic designer did it too, but it really pops out, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, so uh, Chris Webb uh, is one of the staff designers at Modiphius. He 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 was on a call for this particular book and uh, did a fabulous job. Uh, I love that uh, most of it's got a white background with uh, dark text, but every now and then he dropped in a, a black background and just to make it pop a little bit, make it change it up. And this particular page, because it's all about the holodeck, is predominantly you know black background with uh, light colored text. But uh, the holodeck, of course, has a lot of yellow gridding on it, right? So he added a lot of yellow to this, and I think the yellow on top of the black really makes it pop. And it just it's just fun to look at, right? Plus, you got Badgie over there, uh, so you can't can't really go wrong with it. Exactly. Yeah. Tell Chris Chris Webb, awesome job on that. Cool. As as usual, we like to add tables, random tables, just to mix it up. And we know there's a lot of RPGers who really enjoy using tables. So on page 65, mandatory bonding time. I did not write this. I don't know who wrote this, Jim. I, I believe uh, uh, Rachel Cruz wrote this one. Uh, she wrote a lot of the sidebars. And some of the tables and some of the other bits and pieces throughout the book, and uh, this was uh, this was all her doing, and um, I love it <laughs> because really this, this riffs this riffs off the episode where uh, uh, Mariner and Tendy go off on a on a girl trip, and um, they go have their their whole exciting experience. I think that might have been the girl trip where they they have to go retrieve something for uh, Doctor Tavana, um, and get into a lot of hijinks along the way, and you learn more about Tendy in that whole episode. Uh, so it was like, well, can we come up with like twenty 
totally random things that lower deckers can do together to to you know connect to to know each other to bond. This could almost be episodes unto themselves, right, or, or whole sessions unto themselves. So it's uh, it's twenty random things. Uh, some of them, I, I, I mean, I just love so many of these, and uh, I just can't wait to see what what folks came up. With. I think this was one of my favorite tables in the book, honestly. This and the one about the um, the farm. I think both of those were just just so much fun just to look at all the possibilities on there. But just a quick example, a couple of quick examples here: uh, uh, lounger bar chat, holodeck theater, scavenger hunt, uh, Klingon acid rock concert, and um, holodeck beach day were some of my favorites that came up. And there's some descriptive text for each one, so it's not just the title. There's a little bit of descriptive text for you to think about. Uh, did either of you have any particular favorites that uh, that jumped out at you? I mean, I, I want to know what a Klingon acid rock concert is like, because that sounds phenomenal. Um, I think that would be uh, you could have a lot of fun with that for sure. <laughs> That's the one I was thinking about, too. I, I, I was thinking I liked hollow deck murder mystery because I really thought this is actually kind of an opportunity where say, you know, I, I don't know if you've all had this happen before, but everyone comes over your house intending to play RPG and they end up playing a different game for whatever reason. And I thought, well, you know what? Let's make it a holodeck episode if we do that. And especially if it was a murder mystery, like, go ahead. Your friend says, bring a murder mystery. Okay, but I understand it's going to be a holodeck program. And that would be a cool way to write it into the story and still be playing Star Trek Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And again, they're just story starters, right? Like these are just concepts to get your brain rolling. Uh, like if you know you want to do something um, uh, fun uh, with uh, bonding time, um, you know, just roll a D20 and there's one for you and you can roll with it, you know, build upon it. Yeah. You know, I just had an idea, Al, if, if our gaming group ever actually ends up in a comic con together, we're going to pretend that's a holodeck program and they're all walking around. A, they've gone back in time to run a 20, go to a 21st century comic con. Won't that be fun? And we all have to be in character for a portion of the day. <laughs> all right, cool. All right, uh, chapter 3.2, you want to introduce that, Jim? Sure thing. So uh, moving on. So that, that was all covered, uh, chapter 3.1, good chunky epi- good chunky chapter, lots of great stuff in it. Uh, we move on to uh, chapter 3.2. This is Difference of Opinion. And uh, this whole chapter, it's all about lower the lower decks experience, but non-Starfleet. So if you're if you're playing a Klingon game, you want to play Klingon lower deckers. There's advice and insights in here about that, plus some uh, some plot hooks and stuff. Um, uh, Packleds, Romulans, Ferengi, Borg. If you want to play, that was, that was, <laughs> that was so awesome. The other day. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is hilarious. Uh, uh, Vulcans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, like a bunch of different polities, um, some of which were in that one episode, uh, uh, Wajduj. Um, I mm-hmm. think I pronounced that right, maybe not. Uh, but uh, that episode where they introduce lower decks on several different other ships, just to get a sense of what that's like. It's like, well, you know, those could very easily be campaigns in their own rights. You know, there's nothing saying you got to play Star Trek Adventures always from the Starfleet perspective. There's plenty of other species out there. There's plenty of other ways to play the game. Um, so this is just giving you um, a bunch of pages and some insights into some of those other polities and what you can do with them. And um, it's uh, opened up. It's opened up by a, a Boimler. Uh, I'm sorry, not Boimler, uh, a Mariner um, sidebar. So, uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about uh, what you were thinking when you were uh, putting this together. Yeah, well, so I didn't write every single one. I remember I think I wrote KDF, Packlids, Vulcan. I um, I know I, I wrote those um, f- for that. Um, again, just just 
lower decks for other polities is the point of you can go ahead and play other games. We always try to make it so people can have as flexible a game as possible. I do admit that Wedge Douche is Douche. I don't know how it's pronounced again like you, but definitely my favorite episode. It's the one I've watched the most. Um, and then when I got to write this chapter, I sat down and I just really took as many notes as possible. Um, my favorite being the Vulcans is because the Vulcans passive aggressiveness is just so <laughs> hilarious. Like they are, they are so hilarious that that episode and how passive aggressive they are. And so really get into it. You know, I, I encourage people, you know, if you're playing a different species, don't act like a human J jump into it. And I don't know who wrote the section on Tellarites. I'm going to guess it's Aaron Paulier because he's kind of our king of Tellarites. Right. Um, Again, the same thing is like, if you are playing a Tellarite, get into it. And especially a lower decker, because they're going to be even less refined than a more senior officer. Tellarite, they haven't been trained yet. Um, so just a really fun, uh, really fun chapter. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, good stuff. So yeah, so then after that, um, we get into 3-3 uh, three, three lower decks. Uh, this is uh, doing the work. Uh, so this goes into um, some detail on uh, your lower decks officer assigned to a ship, uh, whatever your polity, uh, like, what's your job? What do you do? Mm -hmm. You're not just there to do, to, to exist. You've actually got a role to play. And, you know, that might change. That might change. You know, you you might get, get different tasks. Like we see on the show, uh, you know, the the four, uh, the four main uh, characters um, perform any number of different duties over the course of the three seasons. Uh, some of it quite menial, some of it quite, quite gross, and then some of it a little bit more uplifting. So, uh, this is a, a, a big chunky list of uh, possible things you can do. So I'd love to hear your insights, uh, Michael, on what, what research did you go into into pulling this list together? And uh, how did you, you know, make it fun so that wasn't wasn't just a list of jobs, right? <laughs> right. Well, well, the thing was, is that, you know, of course, there's a piece about anomaly, uh, anomaly consolidation duty, which I had a part of an episode. So I said I had to include that here because that's a dirty job that that uh, lower deckers have to do. but. I was like, well, what are, you know, I don't want to make everyone like a science specialist or a engineering technician. So I really got into the schematics of a ship and thought about what are all the different jobs available? And then I did major research about every type of job that you find on a Navy ship. I said, okay, whoa, I, I, that just opened up a whole bag. Believe me, I edited a lot because there are a lot of different duties on a ship. But then I said, how does that translate into the 24th century? Like we you know, 24th and 25th century. Um, so my goal <clears throat> is that players, when they go to select their job role, that they don't just go with the standard that we've seen already in Star Trek, but they actually go to this list in the chapter and pick something that's so detailed and seems so boring. It's probably something that's kind of monotonous. And that's where they have time after finishing their daily duties to go try out other tasks and stuff like that. But um, there's what, four pages, one, two, three pages of different duties <clears throat> that people can, can look into. So again, Navy tradition and just, the people who have to hit the widgets and what's nots of a spaceship. Any favorite ones that you saw, Al? That you? Uh, I really you like uh, soil specialist. <laughs> just like it's it's just so specific. You know what I mean? Like, and and I really like. I feel like that would be a fun character to start uh, talking about the soil when you get on a on a planet, and then just have everybody just kind of like stare, like like how does this matter you know what i mean like uh yeah i i think that would be a, a lot of fun to play with 
Um, and that's a real job in the Navy, just so you know. That's a real job. Yeah, and and uh, the the all the encryption stuff is uh, is really cool. I like that you got uh, Yeoman in here. Um, yeah, just a fun list of stuff. Jim, did you where, did you like any that stood out to you? Uh, I thought, I mean, just the, the, the ones that were kind of different, uh, kind of came out of me, like the religious, the religious program specialists, uh, the paralegals and, um, uh, what was the other one? There was one other one that, that called out to me. I don't remember which one it was now. I'm afraid. Career uh, advisor. Even, even career advisor, right? It's like, oh yeah, you know what? You're a junior officer. You don't really know what you want to do. Well, go talk to the counselor, go talk to the career <laughs> advisor. They, they can probably help you if you're like, if you're. If your uh, your direct supervisor can't help you, then go talk to the resident career advisor and uh, see what kind of ideas they can give you. So uh, yeah. I think it's just neat because um, um, again, this is an opportunity for for players who may not know Star Trek or may not know um, much about the IP. Like each person coming to the game has their own set of skills, so maybe they'll say, "Oh, you know, I want to kind of." Like, get me started with something that I'm already familiar with, right? Maybe there's somebody who happens to be a, uh, you know, uh, um, know something about engines. And you say, well, okay, well, why don't you, your, your engine's, uh, you know, assigned to be a propulsion specialist in this episode. And they can give you a chance to get into the game, get a feel for what an engineer does. And if it doesn't appeal to you, go try something else next episode. Um, so it's just lots of, lots of, and if nothing else, this is just a ton of ideas for NPCs. Well you, right. well, you know, the three of us are the trio of, of riff master riffers, right? So, so my thing when I was writing this too, let's take yeah. like Porter, right? So a Porter is another word for janitor. Okay. So, so imagine if you chose Porter as your job on the ship, and now you have to come up with six focuses around that. So let's do a quick riff and you each can pick like two. Well, that would create six. So like, I would have like cleaning supplies and scrubbing as my focuses. And it would be curious to see if I could work those into stories, scrubbing. Can I work that into a story somehow? So I would take cleaning supplies and, and scrubbing. What would you do, Al? Um, hmm. Space. Maybe, oh, sorry. Spacewalking is already mentioned in there, by the way. <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. plumbing. Oh, good. Okay. Plumbing might be a fun one. Uh, yeah. to put in with that as well. Um, sonic shower maintenance. Ooh, <laughs> I could write a whole adventure off that, <laughs> Jim. If you had to to riff off of two focuses to give this person. Reporters, uh, let's see, perform repair tasks, especially activities relating to the cleanliness and pristine appearance of the interior of the vehicle. Um, well, I think my first focus that comes to mind would be um, project management, right? Okay. Each of these each of these tasks probably has a, an orderly process that has to be followed in order for it to be successfully completed. So uh, project management and... Um, uh, Something like, um, what's the words I'm thinking of? Like when you have a, um, when you when you have a car and you have a you have a um, the instruction manual for that car, right? It tells you what the proper operating, you know, oh, maintenance maintenance procedures. Like, like, a, like a, yeah, like a maintenance procedures, like but not so much maintenance procedures, like. Uh, there's some, there's got to be some sort of documentation, like a technical document that says, "Here is the baseline for this vehicle or for this piece mm -hmm. of um, this piece of technology." If nothing else, get it back to its baseline. You know, may, maybe we've made modifications to it, but like 
if you're a reporter responsible for making a repair to it, you need to know what the baseline is in order to, uh, okay. to understand how it works. So, so like, uh, uh, like I, I guess technical manuals or, or uh, oh, there you go. manuals, something like that. Would technical be, uh, manuals. That's great. That'd be good. Yeah. See, so one, one thing like that, I said, wow, you could create a whole bunch of stuff and I could just create adventures off of that. Even like vacuuming who vacuums the carpet on the bridge of the enterprise D. Somebody does. Yeah, exactly. And we've actually seen it. Remember when that fake maintenance crew, the actor who plays Tuvok was actually in TNG and wasn't he vacuuming? I think I think he's doing something like that. Anyway, that being, that being said, in the in Picard season three, right, we see uh, the little drone bots fixing yeah. up the Enterprise. So I think you could probably extrapolate and say, well, you know what? Maybe Starfleet has has little uh, uh, Roombas uh, mm-hmm. on the ship that are just responsible for just keeping the floor clean. I mean, why not? Right? It totally makes sense to me. It's the future. Why wouldn't you have? And the porter would have basic robotic skills to help repair that. Okay, I like this. I like this. Okay. That makes sense. And then, of course, on page 77, this was a pure joy. I will have to give credit to my wife who let me practice this on her. And she was letting me scream at her. So what there is, there's a random, we don't scream in our household. (laughs) On page 77, though, I created a table called menial tasks for junior officers. And so what you do is roll a D20. And there's three columns. The first column is called grab that. The second column is and get to. And the third column is that. And how works is like this so if you roll three d20s it could come out like hey you you stinking little cadet grab that gravitic caliper and get to updating that eps manifold and so it's basically a way for you to play in the game and just get some orders thrown at you um really rapidly so i'm glad you let that in the book jim i mean why wouldn't i right i mean this is this is such a great table and i I even played with it a few times when i was editing it this is this is the dangers uh, I, I, if I can digress for just a moment, please. This, this is one of the. This is an example of the dangers of being the line editor on these books. Is because when it's the middle of the night and I'm doing my edit, one of my umpteen million edit passes on this. Like one of the first times I w- started going through this, I was like, "Wait a minute, I'm going to stop. I'm going to go grab my D my D20s. I grabbed my three <laughs> D20s off of out of my uh, out of my collection. I sat down and probably for twenty minutes, I was just screwing around." having fun coming up with different combinations of this thing and just having fun with it. And then by the time I was done, it was like, you know, 1230. And I was like, okay, if I don't get any more editing done tonight, I'm going to be behind schedule. So then I had to put my dice away and hunker down and just, right. That's when I screamed to Jim and I said, Hey, Jim, grab that keyboard and get to typing out that, that, those edits. Get back to work. (laughs) Exactly. So I think this is great. And this is, this is almost like, um, this is the lower decks version of a, of a techno battle chart, right? Because it's, it's totally stuff you would hear them yelling on the show to Boimler and to, and to Rutherford and Tendy and stuff. And I just, I think it's great. Um, I, I'm curious to know how much this will get used in an actual game. And uh, I hope there's some fans out there who who liberally sprinkle this into their um, into their games because I totally want to hear um, stories about it. There, there should be at least be one character. Like if, if they're playing a lower decks game, they should cut this and don't cut it out. Photocopy it, then cut it out. And there should be at least one character who's using this constantly. So he's kind of like the J. Jonah Jameson of, of the deck, of the ship, you know. <laughs> um, and then there's another, uh, you know, random. Actually, there's two random tables on the next page, on page um, uh, 78. Side missions for lower deckers. Um, I don't remember if either of you wrote this one or if it, yeah, it was you, Michael. Okay, so yeah, tell us about a little bit about these two. 
Well, just again, um, you know, what are we going to do while there's maybe a main adventure going on? I think we, I love how lower decks consistently has a B plot mission going on. Um, and I honestly think the B plot missions are more hilarious than the main mission generally. Um, so this is the opportunity again. So if you're pulling a module and adapting it for lower decks or a mission brief, and you're looking for a B plot, this is, this should help you that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, there's two different tables here. There's, there's one that's uh, just talking about uh, uh, side missions that may not necessarily have a lot of flair, but could be a really good uh, start to an adventure. And then the other one is um, generating an event for a crew uh, that has just a little more meat to it. Right? So there's some, there's some varieties here. You can probably mix and match between the two if you wanted to, but uh, mm -hmm. I, thought, I, I thought we had the room. So I thought it was worth keeping both of them in there. Uh, Cause uh, if nothing else, this is a, uh, you know, 40 more story ideas to throw at game masters and players and just see what sticks and uh, and what excites you for your um, for your show. And as an Easter egg, I love the illustration on that page is the holodeck goo. So whatever they recover in the way of fluid from the holodeck, uh -huh. all the canisters are there. It's a little cringe. <laughs> Don't spill that's, that. That's a job. Boy, I tell you. <laughs> um, yeah, and then that brings us to the end of the chapter here, which is uh, which is uh, Al's um, contribution to this one anyway. And I thought it was, uh, I, I was a little skeptical initially when I read this. I was like, do we really need this? And I was like, yeah, let's throw it in there. It's lower decks. Why not? So uh, Al, tell us all about your chapter about supervising characters. Yeah, so this was um, this was one of the last ideas that I had come up with. It wasn't in the original outline. Um, I might have been working on some other project at the time that might have like made this click. Uh, and I remember that I was looking at the core rulebook for supporting characters and I was reading through it and it was talking about how like the whole concept of supporting characters is that they are of lower rank than you. Um, and they're someone that uh, you can command around and things like that. When you look at the rules as written now, I know there are lots of homebrew rules that people use where uh, you can just use anybody on the ship as, uh, you know, a supporting character. Um, but I thought it might be useful in this game or in this book to um, to talk about the supervising characters are really the support cast and a supervising character, a, a you know, a commander or a lieutenant commander, whoever's in charge. Um, they are much better qualified to do the job than you are in many ways. Um, so I uh, proposed this uh, to Jim um, and, and I modified the creation rules a bit to be able to produce someone who is likely going to be more qualified uh, to do a job than you. And then we see it all the time in lower decks, right? Where, um, you know, just randomly, uh, you know, somebody from the bridge crew shows up in a scene um, and they're there to help or um, or not in some cases. Um, but I thought this would be a fun way to add flavor to uh, the concept of supporting characters. But instead, they are their supervisors. Yeah, brilliant. I loved it. I didn't. I actually didn't know it was even getting in the book. So I was really happy to see this at the end of the chapter, um, which was really fun. Yeah, that's, that's one of the tough. I mean, I guess it's not tough necessarily, but uh, um, I don't always have the time or the opportunity to share the final, you know, the final manuscripts with with you guys before it goes into approvals and layout and everything. So sometimes you just get surprised, right? When the when the when the PDFs come out or the books come out or whatever, you're like, "Hey, where where'd that come from? Where, where, who wrote that section? That's awesome." Um, and so I, I guess uh, you know, I, I'm happy to surprise you guys, but sometimes 
sometimes I wish I could share more of this with you, um, you know, along the whole journey path or whatever, but uh, it doesn't always work out. But yeah, I, I thought this was a, like I said, Al, I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, I wasn't sure this really made sense. And then I read it and I read it again. And then I read it the third time after a couple of days just to let it settle. And I was like, yeah, this, this fits. This is, this is good, optional, cool stuff that, that a lower decks crew could, uh, could have a lot of fun with. And, uh, uh it, it just adds another layer and nuance to the game and it just expands the possibilities. Right. And after seven years, we're still finding cool ways to expand the game. And that's all a win. That's always going to be a win. Like, uh, you know, at some point I'm going to, we're going to stop doing this. I don't know when. And I'll be able to go back. I'll be, I'll be able to look at the, the 40 or 50 books that we have on the shelf and go, wow, I can do, I can, I can run Star Trek campaigns for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I think the thing is too, with this, with living the life chapter three is I always, I, I think I've mentioned it. Oh, I, I'm, I, I mentioned on Delta flyers where I'm, I'm an admiral with uh, Garrett Wong and Bobby Duncan McNeil for their web, their um, podcast about Voyager episodes. But I was, when I'm watching the show, I'm always watching the people in the background, pushing the buttons. I want to know what they're doing. And then also when people are walking through the halls, going left, right, wearing the different color uniforms, or maybe not wearing a uniform, I, I, I can stop and be like, what are they doing? What cool room are they going to? And so I, this is so fun. Uh, chapter three, living the life. Cause now we get to actually answer that. Uh, and, and you, we get to play it and, see what it would be like. Like if we all got on a ship, our first posting would not be captain. Our first posting would be a low, low, low grade posting, unless you're Wesley Crusher, I guess. Um, but other than that, you know, th these are fascinating people. And I, I really look forward to seeing players uh, get in and enrich in and just create more world building for Star Trek. There's never been a uh, RPG book that really world builds, world builds lower decks, correct? Now, I don't mean the TV show. I'm just talking about lower decks like Fossa or or Decipher. Did they ever dive as deep into lower decks as as we're doing with Star Trek Adventures? Mm, no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, a, a they never had a lower deck series to take advantage of, right? But I know, um, I'm sure Last Unicorn and Decipher both referenced lower decks to some extent. And uh, Last Unicorn Games had a Starfleet Academy, um, you know, box set. But that was really more focused on cadets than mm -hmm. on, on junior officers. So no, I think I think we're this is the first opportunity mm -hmm. to really dig deep into yeah. junior officers and that whole junior officer experience. And to even go into the detail that you were talking about in terms of like, I mean, what RPG book talks about career pathing? I mean, come on. <laughs> it's not really a thing that's that much of a focus for a lot of people. But so cool. But if you really get into Star Trek and you get into your characters, mm -hmm. I mean, not to scare people, but but like this is something that you could do. Right. You could could you could be a junior officer and say, oh, you know what? And if you're in the right group and you got the right group of people around you, you can say, you know, oh, this uh, this ensign. I want to I mean, just imagine the possibility is this. I want to role play this character through the ranks to the point where we can run a campaign some point in the future where they are now a captain. Mm -hmm. Like, Will you go on this journey with me to play this so that I can play this character from from ensign to captain over however many years it takes of game time? And. If you got a good group of players that are willing to go with you, maybe they got their own career paths and their own aspirations and stuff. And uh, I mean, there's just so much potential there for a really rich game. Now, of course, you know, reality is, uh, you know, scheduling will get in the way and babies. Yeah, but but I, I mean, I risk to say yeah. that the majority of people, because Lower Decks is new, the majority of um, star STA players are playing senior 
officer type games, but this is the book to really richen out your supporting characters and your NPCs. Because to me, I like you said, we had that one TNG episode with lower decks. We had that amazing Voyager episode um, with lower, lower decks, um, two of two of them. There's, there were two of them, one with Tuvok training and one with Janeway taking them on the runabout on the Delta flyer. Um, it's, and that those are some of my favorite episodes. Cause again, I'm getting into the background and the world building of the ship. I love Love the comfort of being inside a starship. I really do. Uh, being a homebody, um, and so if you are playing senior senior officers, get to know your NPCs. Get to love them. I know when we lose an NPC on our game, it's tragic because we've taken a lot of time to get make it like family. We're on an intrepid class, so it's 150 people. You're with 150 people for five years. You know their names and you know their habits. And they've really done a good job. My team getting to flesh out those in those characters. Why are you laughing, Jim? I'm gonna let it go because uh, I, I know I know you love Voyager and I don't want to be negative, so I'm just gonna let it go. <laughs> Whatever, Jim. Seven of no, nine came from Voyager. I don't even. Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there, right? Because the fans listen the same way. I don't remember who I was talking to. Mm-hmm. This this, this topic came up in conversation. It might have been a Twitter post. It might have been on Facebook. Like somewhere along the way, somebody was talking about how awesome of the captain Janeway was because she was like the almost the mother figure to her crew and she cared about them and it was really important and she shepherded them along through the delta quadrant for seven years blah 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 and i'm like wait a minute there was a bunch of episodes in the last season where she didn't even know the names of the crew on her ship and like it's a crew of 150 she should have known every one of them by name first name basis day and day even if she was a starfleet captain and she wanted to keep wanted to keep it you know starfleet formal and stuff there was no way that a good captain would not know her entire crew after seven years. I don't remember this. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Jim. Was that us? I don't remember who. We were. I don't remember. Who no, I it was wasn't me. About. But you're right. You're you're actually really right. Because if you think about here, here I mean, let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> if you think about it. Intrepid class has 15 decks. That means on a ship that size, there's only an average of 10 people on deck at any time. So imagine being on deck eight and there's only 10 other people. It's pretty lonely, right? So you could see why people congregate in the mess hall. You can fit half the people right there in the mess hall. So yeah, if but you know, the reason you want to know, Jim, the reason why she didn't have time to know everyone's name, because she was saving lives constantly she she was so exhausted at the end of every episode she had to like you know two to three days off in her in her thing it was like, yeah, you know or, or, or if i want to be really snarky and I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get hate mail for this but maybe she was just so overcome with remorse for killing two Vix that she just didn't want to get to know anybody <laughs> two Vicks. all right anyway two so on that cheerful note <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap this up before i get any more trouble <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, well let's go. <laughs> Al, do you want? Sorry, now, now my coughing's coming back. <laughs> Jim's killing me over here. Al, anything before we go to gratitude? You want to say about chapter three? I mean, just, just it, it's more tools, right? We like these are tools. You don't have to use them all, um, but I, I, I can guarantee you that there's one bit in this chapter that you can in, include in your next session to make it more fun or to more make it more realistic or to add drama. And, um, you know, that's why we're, we're doing uh, these type of books, right. To give you more, more stuff that you can use to make the experience better for everyone. Yeah. 
Sounds good. All right. So let's go into gratitude. Um, I'm going to uh, give it over to Phil Bailey, uh, who who submitted Fanboy 3 in Manchester, UK, as their favorite brick and mortar. We're all about the brick and mortars out here. So um, that's who the shout out goes today. How about you, Al? Who's your shout out to? Um, uh, it's a couple fold. Uh, my, my shout out, it really goes to uh, Jim Johnson and the folks over at uh, Wanderers Haven on Twitch who allowed me to do my world premiere Sentience 2D yeah. stream. Um, and that's available. Uh, it's on Twitch and they just posted it on YouTube this week. So um, it was a lot of fun. And the fact that, uh, you know, Jim uh, w- was right there saying, yeah, I want to play this uh, and play a character on this. That really meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, just the support and love and Michael, I know you wanted to play, but you were doing some work stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a fun experience and uh, I can't wait to see where uh, that, uh, that game goes. All right. Well, Gadget Scalora is waiting for the next one. She'll come along. <laughs> All right, Jim. Uh, I want to thank um, all the writers, producers, people responsible for the Next Generation episode, Lower Decks, uh, the uh, the two episodes that you mentioned in Voyager, and then uh, Mike McMahon and the whole team at Titmouse and um, everybody else responsible for putting um, the Lower Decks series together because it's it's added so much new depth and and stuff for for play for for Star Trek fans to enjoy. Um, and then, you know, Paramount giving us the license to, to, to add Lower Decks to our license um, has given us the opportunity collectively to add just a huge variety of new tools for gamers to, to play with. Whereas you, you could take a core book and just the Lower Decks supplement and you are, you are set for years of gaming. You can do senior officers, junior officers, everything in between, any policy, whatever. I, I think I'm just so excited. I mean, I'm always excited about the new release, but like this one in particular... Because I can see this, and we talked about it at the top of the show, I can see this very clearly being a gateway for new gamers and people new to Star Trek to kind of like get into it, get a feel for it, and then go off and running and have fun. So uh, thanks to all those people. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, thanks to all the fans. Again, without the fans, we would not be doing this after seven years. Uh, we can't do it without the fans. I am so grateful every day for all the support you give to Modiphius and to each other and to the new gamers coming in. Like literally, I see it freaking every day now. Um, on all the different social media channels, on the Facebook, the Reddit, uh, the the Discord, et cetera. New people are coming to the game every day saying, oh, I want to get into the game. I've got the core book, or I, I don't even know what to buy. What do I buy? There's 30 products on the shelf. What do I do? I'm lost, and there's too much. And uh, it's like, and, and the fans, more often than not, take it upon themselves to say, okay, well, you know, here's A, B, C, D, and E. And like, there's some great fans out there who are creating uh, you know, YouTube videos and stuff helping guide people to what supplements to buy first and then what's what are the must-haves, what are the nice-to-haves, et cetera. So uh, always grateful that we have such a great fan base for this game and they're so supportive of each other because like that does a lot of my job for me, right? And I can't put mm-hmm. it on that other than to thank fans. Every, every time we put out a new book, it's a love letter and a thank you. It's like, okay, thanks for all the stuff you've been doing. Here's more tools. Here's more stuff to play with. Have fun, have fun, do more stuff. And uh, and it hasn't gotten tired. We haven't gotten tired of it yet. They haven't gotten tired of it yet. So uh, that's thank right. You. Thank you, fans. All right. So for all you new fans, remember Jim loves Janeway. That's all you need to know. Jim, lo- it's like alliteration. It's so easy to remember. Jim loves Jail. Janeway. <laughs> all right. Jail. So with that, we go out. Idic. <laughs> so long and prosper. Be safe. Be well. We'll talk to you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>